I wanted to get to the point where we talked about Jesus. Obviously, that's Easter time. I, wa- I was looking forward to that, anticipating that. So I'm kind of. We're going to be talking about King Jesus, who is the greatest King, and so we're going to be speaking about him uh, today. You recall the message I shared about Queen Italia, who was trying to end the kings, of, the line of the kings of Judah, but Jehoshaphat. She held the line together and would not allow the kings to, to be broken, that line to be broken. And here was this woman, while all the guys were scattered and running for cover, here was this woman that says, I'll hold the line, I'll take this baby, I'll protect the baby. And she held the line together. But the day finally came when the kingdom of Judah was destroyed, and nobody was there to save them. And the children of Israel and specifically the children of Israel from the kingdom of Judah, went into exile. And they went into darkness for over 400 years. There was no king that sat upon the throne. There was no temple for the children of Israel to look to and say, wow, there is our God. They had nothing. They didn't have their own homes. They lost their land. They had lost everything that God had given to them. And so for 400 years, they were in darkness. But I can tell you today that Queen Italia's plan did not work and would not stop the word of the Lord. And the total destruction of the kingdom of Judah could not and would not stop the word of the Lord. And just because they had no king did not mean all was lost. As I just shared with you, sometimes days have to get so dark so that you can see the light coming. Sometimes the storm just has to brew a little bit so that you can see that there's a man walking on Sometimes you just have to climb a mountain and it seems like it's never ending, but the time is coming that you're going to have a vantage point that you never had before. And for the children of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, they had had 400 years of darkness. No king, no army, no land, no victory, nothing to shout about, nothing to write home about. But then Isaiah 9 says this, this prophecy was there, and this prophecy came to pass. You know this, we usually read it during Christmas, but I'm going to read it to you today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with justice and with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Sorry if I get a little bit excited, and sorry if I get a little bit. Uh, 
you know, just charged up because when I read the scripture verse after recognizing what was happening to the children of Israel and the darkness that they were in and the turmoil that they were facing and the defeat that they could only look at, it was this moment that a child was born. It was the moment that Jesus came onto the scene and he said, I'm here, I'm here, and the government's going to be on my shoulders. Don't you worry about it. I'm going to make all things new again. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. There is no army strong enough. There is no army out there big enough. There is no man out there that was wise enough that could stop God Almighty. There is nothing that will stop our Lord. His plans will not fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His word will never fail. God will not. He's going to hold the line together. And God knows how to hold it more than, better than anybody else. And you can know today that God will hold your life. He will hold your life together. He's got it all figured out. When all appears to be lost in your life, God, He has your life in control. Just keep your life into His hands. Don't put it into your hands. Keep your life in God's hands. And when your life is in God's hands, He will hold the line for you. He will bring you through. He will lead you to beside still waters and into green pastures. He'll restore your soul. And when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil because His rod and His staff will follow you and His mercy and goodness will follow you and He will be with you. It's the kingdom of Judah. They had some good kings and they had some bad kings. And the bad kings kind of led them down the path and they kept going down, down, and down. And they got to the point of ultimate darkness. Don't, don't take eyes away. She's the only one talking to me this morning. Everybody's being quiet. I don't have Gabriel here to talk to me. Eyes are just saying Amen. You can put your full trust into the hands of God this morning. He's going to take care of you. He's going to watch over your life. He's going to be with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to, he hasn't messed up. He hasn't made a mistake. He won't make a mistake. I'm not here by mistake. You're not here by mistake. Their boss didn't make a mistake with you. Your parents didn't make a mistake with you. There's been no mistakes in your life. When you've given it to God, He's got it all figured out. You can trust Him today. You put your full trust in the Lord. So as we look to King Jesus today, as we look to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we've been talking about the kings of Judah. And we've been learning, I've been learning, I believe you've been learning. But now we're coming to the place now where we're going to learn from the greatest of all time. There have been great kings on this earth. You've read about them in your history books. You've studied them in your history class. There have been some powerful kings that have done powerful things on this planet. I mean, you talk about the kings or the Caesars of Rome and of Assyria and the Babylonian kings and the kings of Judah, mighty men of of valor and power. They've done some mighty things on this planet. But nothing compares to what God Almighty, what King Jesus has done. Nothing compares to what King Jesus did for us 
And we must acknowledge that there is no other God, there is no other way of life, there is no other option in life that can guarantee you eternal life and peace on this earth. Money will fail you, power will strain you, people will hurt you, but Jesus Christ will perfectly love you. He is the King of kings. The kingdom of God is the only kingdom that has stood the test of time. God's plan is the only plan that will work and will save you and keep you in peace today. It's the only kingdom. King Jesus is here, and He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of all praise, and He is worthy of our praise every day. No matter what is taking place in your life, you can praise the Lord because He will not be stopped. His kingdom is eternal, and I believe with all of my heart that we're going to see once again that He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. There is no one like Him. There is no leader that compares to Him. We have seen the great kings of history, but Jesus is the greatest of all time. I shared with you before, He, he announced His coming 4,000 years in advance. No other king has done that. No other king has left their comfort to go to where the people needed help. And maybe for a day they did, maybe for a week. But Jesus left heaven to come to this earth for a lifetime. No other king has done that. No other person can compare to Jesus. Jesus is high and exalted. He is worthy to be praised for all eternity. And what we need to do this morning, as we look to Christ, as we look to King Jesus, we need to make sure we have the right mindset this morning. Because when we think of the greatest king of all time, if I'm, if I'm really pumping this up and I'm really trying to get you excited about understanding who was the greatest king of all time, it's very possible that you're going to begin to think in terms of, because we're talking about history, so you're going to probably think of a mighty man on a horse, and he's holding a sword, and he's got a beautiful crown on his head. But I have to tell you today, Jesus is much more than that. Make sure you have the right mindset this morning as we look to King Jesus, as we understand that he is the greatest king of all time. I want you to understand that he was like no other. So we're going to pick up our king in the garden today. You know, you should know the story well. He's prepared his disciples for this moment. He's warned them. He's, he's, as a good king, he's prepared his men. He says, men, this is what's going to happen. They're going to arrest me. They're going to beat me. They're going to take me. And he kept telling them time and time again, and it's beginning to happen and so in Matthew chapter 26, verse 47, it says this, And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. We've got to really take in this scene again. And that's, you know, I believe that's what I've been doing, and I believe that's what preachers should help us to do, is just to really 
think about the Word of God, and sometimes we're reading it, and sometimes it's me. I'm just I'm reading it, and then I'm praying, and I've got a busy day, but i got to really think about this sometimes, and, and, and I do that. But I really want us to take in this scene one more time in this morning, just really understand what is going on here. Judas had a front row seat to the love and power of God, and there was only 12 of those seats available. Judas had one of them. He was in the front row. He was watching this happen. He was watching 5,000, over 5,000 people being fed with somebody's lunch. He watched as a man born blind, was his eyes were opened by Jesus Christ. He watched as Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, and he saw a man wrapped in grave clothes hopping out of that grave. He was there. He had a front row seat to that. He was there on the boat when the, when the waves were, were crashing on that boat, and Jesus said, Peace! And water became like ice, as calm as ice. He was there when another time on the lake, when it was, the boat was being moved around again, and Jesus this time was walking on the water. He had a front row seat to all of this. Judas experienced Jesus like no other. And you can definitely argue the point that Judas really did believe that Jesus was the Messiah. You can really argue this point. He, he, he was in. Just like the other 12 guys, they were in. Like, we're leaving the boats. Dad, we've got to leave the business. The Messiah's here. We're going to follow him. We don't know what this is all about, but we, this is our point, our, our opportunity. We're going to follow him. We're leaving all of that behind. And Judas did the same. So you can argue that Judas did believe he was the Messiah. But Judas, there was, there was an issue he had in his heart that he did not allow Jesus to fix and to work on. And so his vision was clouded. There was something inside of Judas that tainted his experience with Jesus. Because he didn't want to accept that Jesus' plan of salvation included his death. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's, that's not how this works, Lord. Don't you know what David did when Goliath showed up? Don't you know David said, you come against me with your sword, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord. And he took him down. Jesus, this is how it's done. Let's, let me show you. This is how you are the greatest of all time. You are the Messiah. Let's help you figure that out. I think that's what was going on in Judas's mind. And how could it? How could it be? How could I? How could he be so blind? How did he allow his issues to continue to, to cloud his heart? And I could just tell you this morning, as you begin to think about that, as you begin to process Judas's life and and all that he was doing. And, and, and as I was, as we were singing that song this morning, there were tears coming from my eyes as, we, as they were singing that song. It is well with my soul because I'm thinking about my sermon and I'm thinking about the writer of that chorus as he was writing that, as he was thinking about his, 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 his wife that was gone and his girls that were gone. He was able to write those letters, those words. It is well. With my soul. Why was he able to write that? Because he trusted Jesus. He trusted Jesus. And I, I want to share this point now. It may come up later. I don't know if we can 
It's okay if we show this point later. But I believe ultimately Judas stopped trusting Jesus. He stopped trusting Jesus. Jesus, no, no, no. This is how you win. This is how you defeat the Romans. You can't let them kill you. You can't let them arrest you. I saw what you did with Lazarus. I saw how you walked on water. You just need to do that. And these Romans are going to bow to you. Judas stopped trusting Jesus. But that man who wrote that song didn't stop trusting Jesus. I've been there before. I know many of you, if not all of you, have been in that place where you said, Lord, I don't know about you now. You just let that happen to me. I don't know. Wait, I don't understand. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said you would be good to me. You said you would watch over me. And this happened. You can't stop trusting Jesus. You've got to hold on to Him. You have to, you have to just say, Lord, draw me close to You and never let me go because I don't understand what You're doing, but I know You are God and I'm going to hold on to You, Lord. I need to trust You today. We need to hold on to Jesus. Don't stop trusting Him. And so they're in the garden and, and then verse 50, let me read verse 50 to you. Jesus, now Judas kisses Him. But what was Jesus' response? And um, it's already up there. But um, I want to go back to the kiss. Just, just picture this again. Because the kiss that he gives Jesus is the ultimate disrespect. Imagine with me, uh, just for a moment, that you're a teenager again. Uh-oh. And imagine that your parents go on vacation and they leave you at home. And you're like, ah. Dad are gone. I'm throwing a party. I never did that. I had a brother and sister that did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope you believe that. <laughs> was that right? Is that true? He was. He's known me all my life. <laughs> they threw parties all the time when my parents would leave, even when we had a babysitter. Imagine, you know, you so you invite your unruly friends over, and they come in and they destroy the house, and it's destroyed. And your mom walks in the door, and you see your mother and say, Mom, so good to see you. You give her a kiss, but now you help me clean this up. It is somewhat humorous to think about because you know it's coming if you do that, right? <laughs> Not happening. Not happening because Daddy would be like, excuse me, son. And I've been there before. I only talked back to my mom once. <laughs> That's all it took. But... Um, it was the ultimate disrespect to give him that kiss. He could have just turned Jesus over. He could have just said, here, here he is. Go get him. You know, there he is. But Judas had so much evil inside of him. He disrespected Jesus by giving him a kiss. And what was Jesus' response? Verse 50 says, Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. My friend. My friend. There was no sarcasm in Jesus' voice. There is no lie in the voice of the Lord. Jesus doesn't joke around like that. When he said, my friend, Jesus meant those words. You are a friend and you're my friend. You're my friend. 
And I want to tell you today that Jesus loved Judas no matter what he was doing to him. He loved him. And I can tell you that Jesus was going to reach out to Judas to the very end. And Jesus never gave up on Judas. Why is he king of kings? Why is he the greatest of all time? Because his love is endless. Because his love knows no measure. Because his love knows no end. He loves us forever. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us with his whole, with his all that he is and all that he is. He loves us today. Oh, love, the love of God is great. Paul said, I wish that you could know the depth, the height, the width. I wish you could know the love of God. It's so powerful. It's so amazing. And Paul also said, the love of Christ, I, nothing can separate me from the love of God because it's all powerful. And we see the love of God being displayed, my friend. Go ahead. Do what you've come for. Do what you've come to do. What a Savior. What a Savior this morning. What an almighty God that is worthy of all praise and glory and honor. Judas stopped trusting Jesus. He stopped trusting Him. He couldn't hear the voice of the Lord. He couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't accept it. He couldn't receive it. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see what Christ was doing. He couldn't acknowledge it. This morning, I want to encourage you again, one last time, trust the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Acknowledge Him today, especially when you don't know what He's doing and you don't have all the answers. Acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge that He's good. Acknowledge that He won't fail you. Acknowledge that He has a plan. He's working all things for His good. For your good. He's working it all together. And when we acknowledge that and we when we say, Lord, I trust you. I, I, I've been through it. I've been through the, the difficulties, but I still trust you. I can tell you what you're doing there. You're giving him a kiss of praise. And I pray this morning that you can declare, I'm bringing you a kiss of praise because you are Jesus Christ, my Lord. I'm not giving you a kiss of praise because my life's perfect. I'm not giving you a kiss of praise because everything's going good in my life. I'm giving you a kiss of praise because you deserve it, because you are Christ. You are the Christ. You are the Lord. In the good days, I trust you. In the bad days, I trust you. I give you the highest praise. I give you a kiss. May we kiss Him with our with praises every day of our life. Lord, I kiss You today. I worship You. I praise You. You're so good. Your love is amazing. I don't deserve it. In verse 50, let me read verse 50 again with the remaining verses. It says, Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested Him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my Father for thousands of angels to protect us and He would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the Scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? And in this most difficult moment, the great teacher is still teaching. He's still teaching. Even in his most difficult moments, when all is coming against him, 
and everything. He knows it. He prayed it. You, you know what? I haven't read, but you know it. He had prayed, Father, it's possible. Let this cup pass for me. Not my will. He knows that cup is coming to him. He knows our judgment is coming to him. He knows it, and it's coming. And even so, in that moment, he says, I'm still going to teach Peter a lesson. I'm still going to teach Peter about meekness. Meekness is knowing that you have the power and knowing when not to use it. The great teacher displayed ultimate meekness. He knew he had the power. He had it. He had legions of angels at his disposal. He just had to point and they would have went. He had all power. He had all authority. He had all permission. But he said, Peter, if I do that, I won't fulfill the will of the Father. Your salvation won't come, Peter. But Peter didn't understand it. He, he had already made a commitment. He was already all in on his motive. His motive was to prove to the other disciples that he was going to be with the Lord no matter what it was going to take. He was going to follow Jesus. He said, Lord, I won't let that happen to you. And even in that moment, Jesus rebukes him. But still in his heart, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And so he knew the fight was coming, and so he got a sword. He had it ready with him. And the moment came, and the evil pounced on the Lord. Peter says, I'm going to prove my love for the Lord. And he pulled out the sword, slashes off. He's just flinging it around, and then it ends up slashing the air of one of the high priest's servants. Jesus said, no, stop it. Because Peter ignored Jesus' rebuke. He still brought the sword, and they still come from Jesus, and they're taking him, and they're arresting him. And Peter knows he has the power. He knows he has the power to defend Jesus, or so he thinks he has the power to defend Jesus. And so he takes that sword, and he attacks and he says, see, Jesus, I told you. I told you I was going to be with you. I, I know you told me to stand down, but Lord, this is my moment to show you that I love you. Jesus stopped him. And he gives him that picture of ultimate meekness. Peter, you've seen my power. You've seen what I've done. You were the one who walked with me on water. You know what I'm capable of doing. You know I can wipe out every army on this earth, but that is not why I came. I did not come to defeat the armies. I didn't come to destroy the Romans. I didn't come to take these armies and show them my power. I didn't come to show how great and mighty and strong I am. I came to show you how much I love you and how much you needed salvation. I came to die this way so that you could see that you were a sinful man and that you had sin in your life. I came to be brutally mocked and brutally beaten and to tortured and beat up so that you could see that your sin is horrible and horrific and that you needed a Savior, not a sword. That you needed the truth, not an army, so that you could understand you need it, Jesus, not a piece of land. And in meekness, 
and meekness. Jesus shows Peter. Meekness. You know you have the power and you still choose not to use it. I shared with you last week about not being offended. I hope you had opportunity to put that message to work. Just goes, this thought goes with it. I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time. You have the power to hurt people. Absolutely. You have the power to be offended and show people that you're not going to forgive them. You have that power. I pray that we're going to be meek like Jesus and say, I know I have the power to tell you how I feel right now. I have, I have some words that would hurt you right now. I have some actions that won't help you. I have the power, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fling my sword around, slashing ears, hurting people. I'm going to let Jesus Christ live through me. I'm going to let His love come through my life. May we be meek and mild as Jesus is today. I pray that you're meek and mild. Let God's will be done in your life. And when you let God's will be done, you will see miracles. You will see the greatness of God working through you and in your life. Oh, our Savior, King Jesus, you're willing to die for Him. You're willing to live for Him. When I read these stories, I'm saying, Lord, whatever you want me to do, even when I don't understand it, whatever you want me to do, or even when I don't like it, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want to send me, Lord, Wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go, Lord. I'm going to go because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Would you stand this morning? We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to praise His name. We're going to give Him a kiss of praise. We're going to honor Him. We're going to worship Him. We're going to sing to Him. We're going to commit our hearts to Him. And at home, would you commit commit your heart to Him? Let the Spirit of God just begin to touch your life, even at home. Here, let the Spirit of God touch you today. As we sing this song, let Him speak to you. Let Him speak to your heart this morning.